I tell you what, folks, this past week we've got uh, over a hundred folks in this building this morning that are completely, totally exhausted. I can tell you, been there. But you know what? It's all worth it from the kids that God allowed us to minister to this week. Uh, over 150 of them at times, at one whack, plus our adults. And as a result of that, 15 children came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Yeah. <laughs> we got to baptize eight of them Friday night right behind here, which was an incredible time with Freddie and I and our congregations being together. Wow, what a time. But I tell you, folks, I want to thank all of you all who had anything to do with Vacation Bible School. Many of you spent hours upon hours upon hours over here the week before, the week of, and then the takedown and get everything somewhat back, in, which it was back to normal by this morning. And I thank you for all your work. God only knows the, the eternal reasons and the eternal causes of what will happen in the lives of these children because of what you folks have done these last two weeks. But I tell you what, we need one person to be that coordinator. We need that one person that, that guides us and leads us as to how to do vacation Bible school. And I thank God that this lady is on our staff. Staff Karen did one incredible job. Thank you so much. Yeah. Listen, you folks that work in vacation Bible school and whatever, you know the work that this lady did to prepare and get things ready and then to, to make sure things did well. And wow, I just, I, I stand in awe of the power of God, Karen. It was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. You know, when we talk about freedom, we thank God for freedom. But freedom is never free, however you look at it. It was not free in this country. It cost countless numbers of lives for us to be able to do what we do and be here. And I meant what I said in my prayer and exactly what Doug has just sung. It cost the one and only Son of God on a center cross on a hill called Calvary to pay the sin death for you and for me. So there are two types of freedom this morning that I just briefly want to share with you on this July the 4th weekend as we talk about freedom. And we simply say, thank God for freedom. You have your Bibles with you. I hope you have them open to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. One verse in particular in the Gospel of John. There's a whole lot more, but one I simply chose as our theme verse for this part of our message this morning is John chapter 15, verse 13. The first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is man's sacrifice. So John 15, 13, no one has greater love than this, than someone would lay down his life for his friends. That's the Holman Christian Standard translation. Then I began to think of those men and women who've given their lives in service to this country. I consider the chilling winter at Valley Forge and the blood-stained fields of Saratoga. And I remember Pearl Harbor and Midway and Normandy. Then there is Poussin and Port Chop Hill. And in the 60s and 70s, many of us in this room recall the names of Da Nang and Saigon and the Mekong Delta. 
And even more recently, in the involvement of our own troops in Iraq and Afghanistan with Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. The pages of American history are red with the blood of those who've paid the supreme sacrifice for our freedom. I went back and did some more research. On a small island in Saipan, 3,500 dead. In the Philippines, in particular in Okinawa, where my dad was stationed during World War II, 12,500 dead. Iwo Jima, four and a half miles long by two and a half miles wide, 19,000 alone wounded in action and over 7,000 killed in action. 58,000 names are carved in stone on the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C., one of the most visited sites in Washington. Connie and Bethany and I had the privilege of going to Washington, D.C. with Michael when he graduated from Police Academy with the Georgia Police Corps back in 2005. And I remember, ladies and gentlemen, the emotion of standing right there in front of that Vietnam Memorial alone just in my life. Operation Iraqi Freedom claimed 4,486 lives. And as of Wednesday, June the 15th, 2012, according to a story on Fox 5 News in Atlanta, Operation Enduring Freedom claimed over 2,000 lives. Freedom. Never free. July the 4th, 1776, the Congress of these 13 states issued their Declaration of Independence from England. Noel Ben Franklin stood up in the company of the men who were about to fix their signatures to that document, and he made this statement. He said, this is a great risk, for if we sign our names and lose in our cause, then our identity will be known and all will be lost. It was immortal for 56 men who stood in old Independence Hall in Philadelphia, risked their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Everything was put down in their signature. You and I both well remember the stories of Boston and Concord and Paul Revere and the Old North Church. This declaration, along with the Bill of Rights passed in 1791, is the most precious gift ever given to free people. It is the foundational stones upon which our nation was founded, incidentally upon Christian principles as well. We remember hearing of Valley Forge, Saratoga. We remember of all the things that took place in our history books that all of us have studied at one point. And we think about our freedom in this country is never, never free. I go back to the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with an una certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
was drafted by Thomas Jefferson between June 11th and June 28, 1776, and it is still the nation's most cherished symbol of our liberty and Jefferson's most enduring monument. And of those 56 men that signed, five of those men were captured by the British and tortured before they were died. They died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Twenty-four were lawyers and jurists. Eleven were merchants. Nine were farmers and large plantation owners, men of means and well-educated. And nine of the fifty-six fought and died from wounds and hardships of war. But they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well the penalty would be death if they were captured. And they signed and pledged their lives and their fortunes and their sacred honor. Folks, the United States is not perfect. We've seen that in recent days. You can't tell me of a land or a country that is. But with its faults, the United States of America, and to be able to live in freedom is still the greatest nation on the face of this earth. And I stand here to tell you, I'm proud to be a citizen of the United States of America. Wow. I'm reminded of a story I read regarding a pastor who was in a POW camp in what is referred to the high-low POW camp, the Hanoi Hilton. Some of us remember that name during the Vietnam War. He was a major in the United States Air Force, and he had been captured and imprisoned from 1967 to 1973. His treatment of torture had been frequently brutal, and after three years, however, the beatings and the torture became less frequent. Well, during the last year, he and most of his fellow prisoners of war were allowed outside most of the days for a couple of minutes to bathe. And he said, you know, we showered by drawing water from a concrete tank with a homemade bucket And one day, as we all stood by the tank, stripped of our clothes, a young naval pilot named Mike Christian found the remnants of a handkerchief in a gutter that ran under the prison wall. And Mike managed to sneak that old grimy rag into our cell, and he began to fashion it into a flag. One time, he says, we all loaned Mike a little soap, and he spent days cleaning that material. We helped him by scrounging and and actually stealing bits and pieces of anything he could use to make that flag. All night, under his mosquito net, he worked hard on the flag. He made red and blue from the ground-up roof tiles and the tiny amounts of ink and painted the colors onto that cloth with watery rice glue and then using thread from his own blanket and a homemade bamboo needle he sewed on stars and early in the morning a few days later when the guards were not alert he whispered loudly from the back of his cell hey gang look here and he proudly held up that tattered piece of clothing and of cloth waving it as if as in a breeze it was a flag 
flag of the United States of America. If you could use your imagination, you could tell that's what it was at least supposed to be. When he raised that smudgy fabric, we automatically, all of us, stood up straight. We saluted, our chest puffed out, and more than a few eyes in that whole area had tears. Then about one week, the guards would strip us and run outside and go through our clothing. During one of those shakedowns, they found Mike's flag. We all knew what would happen. And that night, they came for him, and night interrogations were always the worst. So they opened the cell door, and they pulled Mike out, and we could hear the beginning of the torture before they even had him in the torture cell. They beat him most of the night. About daybreak, they pushed what was left him back through the cell door. His voice now was badly broken and gone and in bad shape. Within two weeks, despite the danger, Mike himself survived and has scrounged another piece of cloth. And he began to make another flag. The stars and stripes. Our national symbol was worth that sacrifice to him. Next time you see a flag, next time you say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, you remember men like Mike, who would go through what they went through so that you and I could be where we are. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, God, for freedom. But then there was another sacrifice I want to close with this morning. The second part of this message is God's sacrifice. Move your Bible over to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And then you can put your finger in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, all in the New Testament. John chapter 8, 31 and 32, you will recognize these, but this is God's sacrifice. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed Him, If you continue in My Word, you are really My disciples. For you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then I love Romans chapter 5, verse 6. When we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, I love the Holman Christian Standards translation of that, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. God's sacrifice was His one and only Son. The monogenes, literally in the, in the Greek, it means the only Son God would ever have. There'll never be another Jesus. There'll never be another Son of God. It's Jesus. And when He died, the Bible says He died once and for all, one time, for the sin of the world. And it was taken care of. Jesus would take our sin and it would be His blood that would now be shed for the remission, that is, the obliteration of our sin. You and I are never going to be worthy enough to stand before a holy God. We are sinful creatures. But through the blood of Jesus, 
God has covered us. He has atoned us. He has covered our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ completely from the top of our head to the bottom of the soles of our feet so that we are declared this day not guilty because of our sin. And when you as a believer stand before God in heaven, Jesus will be right there beside you interceding to His Father, and you are going to give an account of what you did for God, not your sin. Your sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus. When that whole understanding of atonement, when the blood atonement finally hits us, that we are completely guilt-free of our sin. It'll revolutionize what you do. You'll want to tell it to the world like never been told before. This world's in a mess. Sin abounds no matter. We don't even use the term sin anymore. We've gotten in this world where we don't even use the term God. But the Bible says that one day, oh, but one day, every knee's going to bow. And everyone's going to confess. God is going to return. God is going to rule this earth. God is going to take care of things. But I want you to know, His hand is not off this earth by no means right now. He's the sovereign God of this universe. He is the one in control. He paid the price of it by His own Son. The only Son He would ever have. And when the Greek people uses that word monogene, that's the only Son forever. That doesn't even look at another son. It's only one. It is one special son that became the Son of God, Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, of whom we worship to this day. And John says, and you shall know that, Jesus, the truth, and that truth will set you free. That's what atonement means. If we could understand that we are set free from our sin, we are not bound by that old dirty, trashy mess we call sin, but where our eyes should be fixed is our eyes should be fixed on Jesus, who is the author, the one who began it, and the one who's going to end our faith. So our eyes should be blindsided. We should be, as the world calls us, a bunch of narrow-minded people, because all we can see is the goal in front of us, Jesus Christ, and one day to be absent from this old body means I'm going to be present with the Lord. Wow. And I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God and His heaven. And one day, either by the rapture of the church or my physical death on this earth, I'm going to be in the arms of Jesus Christ. I know it beyond any shadow of any doubt. If I kill over before we finish this message, I'm home, folks. I'm taken care of. Because the last thing I'm going to see on this earth, you, and the first thing I'm going to look at is the eyes of Jesus just like that. That's a promise for the child of God. End of story. Wow. It was God's sacrifice. It took sacrifice. It took blood. Just as it took sacrifice, and it still takes sacrifice and blood for the freedom of this country and to protect this country. God sent Jesus to protect you, to love you, and He summed it all up in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son. There it is. That whoever would believe in Him, that's where we fall there a little bit, because we worry about that word belief. The word belief means to have a faith and trust that though you cannot see, though you can't outthink God, though you've got Him boxed up in a little box, 
you know God is who He says He is because that's what the Word of God says. Belief is more than just believing there is a God in heaven. Believing there is a God in heaven does not and will never save anyone. So if you're trusting the fact that you just simply believe there is a God, you join a lot of the world who believe there is a God. But I hope and pray that every one of you under the sound of my voice, both in this room and then who later listens to it on the Internet or by CD, you know your faith is grounded in the fact that you have a personal relationship. You have intentionally said to the Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I am in need of the Savior of the world. We taught them last week to admit their sin, to believe the fact of who Jesus is, that He would save you, and to see, to confess your sin to God Himself and invite Him into your heart intentionally to be your Lord and Savior. If you've done that, to be absent from this body means the split minute second afterwards you're present in the arms of Jesus. That's the promise of the Word of God. That's the promise of eternal life. And I love the way the Greeks say it. They use a little word called ion. It means own and own and own and own and on and on and I could keep going. And that's eternity. So we had man's sacrifice for our freedom. Then we had God's sacrifice. But there's a third thing I want to close with this morning, and that's this. Our response. I love Romans ten thirteen. Flip over there. You're close to it when you're in chapter six. Run over about four more chapters with me. You know this verse. You've heard it perhaps all your life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And folks, when the Greek people uses a word like that, it's extremely intentional. Not that we're not when we use specific words. But when they used this word, the word meant whosoever is the best possible way we can translate it. And it means exactly what it says. It don't matter who. Red, yellow, black, and white as we say. They are precious in His sight. Everyone can come to Christ. That's what the Lord wants. He wants man, you and I, to come to Him intentionally. His desire is that everyone be saved. But God loves you and me so much that He's given us the choice. We have to make that choice. Being a citizen of heaven is by invitation only when you invite Jesus into your life. But He gives you the power to invite Him into your life. So have you done that? Have you come to the place in your life that you know for certain that if you died and you didn't make it out of this room, do you know just like I do, that you would be absent from this body physically, but wow, you'd be in the arms of Jesus. So many people say, Randy, I just hope I will. I just hope I will. Folks, I'm glad I don't have to hope anymore. (laughs) I don't have to hope anymore. That's a promise of God. He's already told me that's going to happen. I don't have to hope. I can say the fact I know because I've done what the Bible says to do, what God has commanded us to do. Let me show you real quickly just on my hand. And I'll use simply a word that you know that we call faith. And we start with the very fact of faith, F. And let that word represent the very fact that it means forgiveness. Because the Bible says that everyone has sinned and is in need of the forgiveness of God. That's Romans 3.23. 
And then Ephesians 1, 7, I love that verse. It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of His grace. God's forgiveness is there. And then the second, A, that forgiveness is available to you. Remember I said we have to intentionally invite the Lord Jesus into our life. He's made that forgiveness available to us. He's given us John 3.16. Though it's available, it is not automatic. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. What in the world does that mean? Folks, you can say the word Lord to your blue in the face, but until Jesus Christ becomes the Lord of your life, until you invite Him into your life intentionally, you're lost and you're going to hell. That's what the Bible says. People don't like to hear that in this day and time. Most preachers on TV don't say anything about hell because they don't want to offend anyone. I'm going to tell you something. If you can read this book right here without being offended, something is bad wrong. The Bible, God's Word, is offensive, especially to the unbeliever. This world doesn't like what the Bible preaches because it does not agree with this world. But God says, I'm giving you my forgiveness, and that forgiveness, it is available. And the I part, F-A-I, it's impossible for you to do it yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't be a good old boy good enough to be able, and yet so many people say, you ask them, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, man, I've been good to my family. I've gone to church. Man, I've gone to Sunday school. I've worked in VBS. I've, 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 but you never say anything about you intentionally invited Jesus Christ into your life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, by grace have you been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So forgiveness. It is available. It is impossible for you to save yourself. What does it take? You and I must turn. We must be willing to turn from our sin and trust Christ alone for our salvation. He is the only one that can save us. And we turn. We make repentance. We do what repentance says. Repentance is not just simply feeling sorry for our sin. It's making an about face. It's going this way. Repentance, the Greek language, means you make a complete turnaround to trust God completely for your sin. And the final letter I love out of the word faith is H. Heaven. Heaven is our home. It's a promise. It's a promise of Scripture. Yep, streets of gold, mansions, yep, just like it says. Randy, you believe all that stuff, don't you? Yep, sure do. Just like it says. Pearl, gates, 12 of them in the inner city of Jerusalem. Big walls, thick walls. You really believe that's going to be the way it is? That's what the Bible says. Who are we to question what this book says? Well, I think it's just kind of a symbol to what it really means of what the book... Folks, let me tell you something. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to sprout my wings and become an angel. Bless God, I'm going to walk around heaven, and I get to walk on those clear streets of gold. That's a promise of God. Angels are created beings by God to glorify Jesus Christ and God Himself. You and I are going to be able to walk. And heaven is going to be our home. The Bible says it like this. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man. The heart right here. What? We can even conceive about what heaven will be. 
Wow. Like Jake Hess said, death ain't no big deal. We're going home. I'm so glad I'm free. I live in a country where I can freely worship Jesus. And I've invited the Savior of this world into my heart as an 11-year-old boy who was baptized right there in that baptistry in 1963. There's not a day I go in that baptistry to baptize people that I don't realize every moment when I walk from that men's dressing room down those steps and Bernard Deacons baptized me. I will never forget that while on this earth and even throughout eternity. No, that was not my birth into the kingdom of God. That was just a symbol of what God did for me when I asked Him to come into my life. And I obeyed God because God says, Randy, you need to be baptized. So I did because Jesus was baptized. What about you this morning? Are you thankful to be a citizen of the United States of America? Amen? Are you thankful that you're a citizen of the kingdom of God? Yeah. Thank God. Father, we thank you for freedom. Thank you that we can just stop today and take a brief moment just to simply say in our music and our spoken word and everything this morning, thank you for what you have done, what you will do if you tarry your coming. And Father, for your perfect love that's in our life. We, we don't deserve it. None of us in this room do. But I thank you that you're the captain of this ship. You've got a hold of the steering wheel and you're the one in control. And Father, we're just going to trust you. We're going to watch the pilot. We're going to do what you say through the instruction book that you sent us by your holy word. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you, Lord, for the eyes of those children that I see constantly, Lord, as I close my eyes from last week. And how they were just like little sponges in absorbing the word of God. Thank you for the privilege to share it. And, Lord, thank you for your promise that says your word will never go out of our mouths and return as nothing. Oh, Father, we were able to to plant those crops this past week. And you may have some others do the watering down the way, but, Father, you're in control. You are the sovereign God of this universe. You are the one alone responsible for salvation. Thank you, Lord, that we had just the power in our lives this past week to share the truth. And we watched the truth make people free. Thank you, God, for freedom. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. This morning there is our invitation, our time of prayer and commitment, our time of just the committing to God, first of all, to know that you're saved without a doubt, and just to say thank you in a prayer, a personal prayer to God for freedom. Let's do that at our invitation time. This becomes our altar of prayer. What's on your heart? Would you stand with me right now? Doug's going to lead us. Matthew and I and Daniel will be down front. Let's sing that little chorus together right now. Lead me, Lord.